morning and happy Saturday, you guys. It is Amanda and Baron with Kicking Cancer Cares on KSLM Radio, 104.3 FM and 12.20 AM. Huge shout out to our sponsor of this first half, which is Odd Most Pizza, which you actually brought in today. I brought you some poppers again. Even I though did. I'm on my diet. But you well, know what? I, I did break. I did break because they're that stinking good. You only had three. Three. For right now. <laughs> For right now. There is still more in the box. The rest of the five that are still left in the box that were there, good luck. Because yeah. <laughs> I will probably go after them after this as well. You know what's kind of exciting? I think about the last two weeks. So two weeks ago, Dean Yeager called in. Mm-hmm. Huge response to that podcast, by the way. But he called us from just outside Austin, Texas. Yes. And then last week, we had Dan call us from just outside Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And we have a guest today who, if he had called us three days ago, would have been calling us from London, England. <laughs> yes. He is in studio with us, though. Welcome, Scott. Well, thank you for having me. This is uh, exciting stuff. Yeah. So tell the listeners, like, who, who are you in the community? What, what do you do? How would they know you? Yeah, so I work within uh, the healthcare industry as far as uh, hospice and palliative and home health. But my speciality really is the the hospice and the palliative side. Uh, I work for a company that's called Beloved Hospice, um, and they're based out of Wilsonville, um, but have an amazing team. Yeah, and the whole palliative hospice is going to be our topic of discussion today. Okay. So okay, so I always do this to you, prep you a little bit. No, you don't. <laughs> I try. <laughs> what do you remember about Dan from last week? What stuck out for you? Um, so, one, he was a vet. So that was really cool. That was way cool. Um, two, when he went in for one of his checkups, he had, was it a hundred, what did they call it? Polyps? Polyps. In his colon. Yeah. Which is a lot. I mean, that's a lot, a hundred. Well, he, so, was, he was 51. Yeah. And... And as I remember correctly, he just thought, well, I'm, I just turned 50. I should go in for my routine colonoscopy. Right. Um, I mean, I did. And typically, they don't find anything. But they said, we found 100 polyps. Wow. <laughs> and it turns out that he had a genetic mutation. And that was another thing, that it was genetic, but nobody else in his family had it. Yeah. The, the other thing that stuck out to me, and I had to actually ask him this twice, Point zero three percent of the people in the entire world get what he has. Wow. That's point, not very many. Point zero three percent. Yeah. It's a very low percentage. Very, very low. But, but a high percentage if you're in it. Yeah, high yeah, percentage. Yeah. If you've got it, it's <laughs> a high percentage. Yeah. That's a good point, Scott. That's a different way to look at <laughs> That's it. That's a good Fair point. Enough. If you have it, that percentage means a lot. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it was great having Dan with us. Well, you know, I always so Scott, you're all this, but we started doing this actually at the start of the year. I got this book for Christmas called The Plant-Based Diet Book. Knowing that Scott was going to be with us, mm-hmm. one of the things that I always like to get that's kind of a British dish, we call it fish and chips. Except, do you guys call it fish and chips in England? Oh, yeah, fish and chips. You can't get it anywhere apart from England the best way. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's... I mean, you do have good fish and bit. chips here, but there's <laughs> just something I always look forward to. I have to have my fish. It's like fish and chips is yep. my biggest one, right? Yeah. Uh, a cream tea, which is a clotted Ooh. cream on what we call scones. You call them scones. Scones. Okay. Um, actually, I was on the radio. Not right. I was on the phone this uh, this morning, and I had a gas leak. Or I thought I did in the house, so I'm calling the Northwest. So if you have any smell of gas, you just call them, right? And mm-hmm. they come. Right. And uh, 
I, and he, t- he turned up, um, but when I was on the phone, the lady said, I said, look, I'm smelling um, gas in the garage. And she goes... The garage? Yeah. Do you mean a garage? I went, yes, a garage. That's what I said. That's <laughs> yeah. what I said. I thought it was carriage. <laughs> in the garage. Yeah. But yeah, fish and chips, uh, a, a must-do if you ever go to England, and a uh, what they call a clotted cream tea. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, whenever I get fish and chips, it's it's I like the halibut, and then they're not chips, they're french fries. Right. Mm. So today's is actually 15-minute french fries. <gasps> oh, okay. Kind of keep a little mm. bit of a British thing going. And it's going. plant-based? And it's plant-based. Oh, well, it's potatoes. Except what... <laughs> So oh just God. just for the record, That's right. fish are... fish isn't, <laughs> but potatoes are plants. Yeah, that's right. okay. Bear with me, We're guys. So, okay? so, so for the, list, the listeners can't see this, but you are several shades of red right now. <laughs> I'm so no, but what, but, but what makes this so different is so many times when you get French fries, they're they're cooked in corn oil, which is really not that good, and this only has two ingredients. You have Two pounds of medium white potatoes and a teaspoon or two of salt. Okay. That's it. So they're not deep fried. Okay. Which is going to change the complexity of this, these chips. Yeah. And nowadays with the, the air fryers that are happening. Oh, you know, I you love can, air fryers. And you, and you still sort of have to put a little oil on it, but not the deep fry. Mm-hmm. So it sort of gives it the crispiness. But I even cook healthier. my hamburgers in my air fryer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you. So this is like a two-step process. Not my vegan fries, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> so step one, it says preheat the oven to 400 degrees, then line a baking sheet with parchment paper. You wash and scrub the potatoes and place them on the baking sheet for 45 minutes until they can pierce the fork. Remove the potatoes from the oven and allow them to cool for 30 minutes until you're ready to make a batch of fries. Now, you could, at that point, put them in the fridge. That's what they're saying is you could make a whole bunch of them and bring them back out so that later you preheat the oven to 425, you line the baking sheet, you slice the cooled potatoes into the shape of wedges, toss them in a large bowl with some non-salt seasoning, spread the coated fries out on the an even layer on the sheet, and bake for seven minutes, and then re, re, remove them, flip them over, bake for 18 minutes, and serve. Okay, so like it's like a twice-baked fry. Right. Okay. But you're not deep frying them. Right. So they're much more healthy as a plant-based mm-hmm. meal. I don't think I'll ever let myself live this one down, though. <laughs> I was all excited that they were vegan and healthy. Yeah. Because hey, of hey, my diet, but we, no, we, we'll potatoes. Make, we'll make sure that Bob lets you know the potatoes are a plant. Thank you. <laughs> but we always take a picture of this so that the listeners, this is a two-pager here. But for those listeners who are just tuning in... Every one that we've done, Amanda has. So if you're looking for some good, healthy options to eat, you can get some fish and chips. Mm-hmm. Or at least the chips part. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Okay. So on to our actual topic, now that we know the potatoes are a plant. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I wanted Scott to join us was I want to take you back to, it was actually November 28th of last year. And we did a podcast. We talked about a lady named Jennifer Beaumont. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of told Scott, a little bit for the listeners that haven't heard this, Jennifer in 2020 was diagnosed with lung cancer. They hit it with chemotherapy, radiation. By the end of 2020, 
thought everything was fine. Most of 21, she was doing good. Late 2021, they go in for a checkup. Well, now they're finding spots in the other lung. Oh. Hmm. So by the time I saw her in 2022 at this baseball game, again, she worked for the Corvallis Knights, and I see her at the baseball game, and she's dragging an oxygen tank behind her, and they had put her on palliative care, which I wasn't positive what that meant, so I want Scott to weigh in on this. Unfortunately, that game, that strikeout cancer game, has always, for as long as I know, has been in July. For some reason, the team decided to have it in June this year, and I think it was maybe a God moment, a bit fortuitous, but the game was on a Friday night. They dedicated the game to Jennifer. All of the jerseys had her name on it. Channel 12 News came down to cover this game. Oh, wow. Jennifer is at home in her bed watching the game on a computer Mm -hmm. screen, and then Monday morning she passed away. Mm -hmm. That's right. But my question for you, Scott, is... What exactly is palliative care? Yeah, I think this is a new area. Well, palliative is fairly new when we talk about it in the home. Palliative care has been around in hospitals for years. It's because it's it's working with treatment, really, and symptoms. But uh, the reason in home it hasn't been hit, because insurance didn't necessarily recognize it. So insurances were going, well, what is this palliative? What are we really paying for? But now, I would say in the last four, five years, the insurance is starting to go, okay, this is actually going to help prevent people going to hospital mm-hmm. um, because there's people keeping an eye on certain... And it's symptom management is what it really is. Okay. So with this lady, I mean, it's so sad, but when we are working with treatment, um, and especially we were young... I mean, how old was she? Early 40s. Early 40s. So, you know, you're fighting at that point. When we're talking seniors, I mean, we sort of get to a point our bodies do break down a little bit um we know we're sort of aging um we, we we're human so this is all happening so we decision making can be a little easier our fighting starts to slow down but when we're 40 years old late 40s 50s we're really we're really trying to fight so any treatment we can possibly get we're going to do mm-hmm. the problem with it is when we are looking at let's say this cancer uh, she is fighting, they're giving her treatment, chemo, radiation, all these things. And then, again, on the other side, they couldn't do it because of certain complications from they'd already done it on one side. So, But they're still treating. Right. So, And we'll get to hospice later, but when we're, when we're treating, we, we just can't do that. So uh, palliative is there to, to really help on symptoms because when we're going through cancer treatment, we're going to have anxiety, we're going to have weight loss, we're going to have uh, nausea, uh, we're going to have pain, we're going to have all these different things that we need to be managed. And if without it, so when it stops hospitalisation, when we're going through that, something might be happening and EMTs get called, we're dragged to the hospital, admitted because we've got all these situations going on, and bills rack up. So now insurance are recognizing it more palliative can come to home the reason it's so important is because if you've got a cancer patient going through this they have a team of people that are doing this treatment doctors are overseeing it but you're normally working with nurses um, medical assistants things like that that are going through it with you but no one's really at that point necessarily changing medications and doses until they see a doctor maybe every two three months 
So palliative comes in on like a more of a in a home on a uh, a monthly basis if it's in a home. In the hospitals they do it similar, but in the home on a monthly basis come in and they're looking at are there new symptoms happening that you are, are, are not sure about? Can we help with that? It's medication normally. But a good example is if you are going through cancer treatment, you are going to lose a few pounds. So if you are mm-hmm. that, let's say, a 200-pound person and you lose, and suddenly you've lost 30 pounds through treatment, you're, when you take your pain medication, you're going to almost could pass out. I mean, you're, right. you're, you're overdosing yourself. So we're right. trying to keep it relative to keeping you in that So part. if I understand you correctly, when someone gets to a point they're actually not diagnosed but they're given the terminology that you're on palliative care that by putting you on palliative care it allows them to come to your house as opposed to you always have to go to the hospital yeah yeah so it used to be a lot all done in the hospital now they've brought it so like hey this person is in the hospital a lot but we need some help when we're at home so they get support on the phone they have someone come in and managing that side of things so that, um, that allowed jennifer to stay at her house it would yeah if care she, of Exactly. If she had done it in the hospital, obviously doing the same, but this would have been more comfortable for a patient to be able to be looked at and at least having eyes on them on a month, even if it's a monthly basis, still can call somebody if they need to. And um, probably it, cheaper too, because you're not holding up a hospital bed, it, you're not in and out, because there's a lot that comes with racking up that hospital bill oh, when you're in the hospital. As soon as you're in the hospital, thousands of dollars right. rack up. Just for the room. So know. it's kind of a win-win for patient and insurance. Yeah. And, 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 and one of the things you said to me earlier was that if you're on palliative care, there is still some hope that yeah. that there might be a good result at the end. Absolutely. I mean, I have these conversations with a lot of people really coming into a situation where they have lots of options. I mean, it, it, sad options, but they have options. Right. Uh, some that, you know, are uh, um, treatment that, that will could succeed. Some with very little hope, but they're still trying, you know. So, w- my part of my job is just really trying to figure out where they're at, mm-hmm. and it's and it's their decision. So, right. it's these are what we can do. What where are you at right. in your life? So, even though your company is called Beloved Hospice, you guys offer palliative care as well. We do palliative care as well. Yeah, okay. yeah. So the company is called Beloved Hospice, but palliative care is another one of the things that you would yeah. offer to people. And hospice, you know, it starts to it, it sort of go hand in hand now that um, that it's been more recognised. Right. Uh, it, it works because one will either lead to the other or go the other way. Right. Okay. Great. <clears throat> well, I wanted to. I wanted to. I did this by accident, like <laughs> over a year ago. I brought something in, and Amanda was truly shocked with what I brought in. Always. So I always like to bring her some shocking information. And I went back to my book, Crispy Cancer. And there's a section here, and I thought this was interesting because Scott and I were talking about this. It's a communic- This section is called Communication Breakdown. And it really is like, like you're saying, Scott, it's how you communicate to the patient what is going to happen next. Well, there was a study done in 2012, so 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it showed that 70 to 80% of terminal lung, which would have been Jennifer to some degree, right, and colon cancer, which is Josh, mm-hmm. so 78% of terminal lung and colon cancer patients surveyed thought that the treatments they were receiving were likely to cure them. 
when in fact they were, the patients were only given chemo as palliative care to, quote, buy them some time or improve their quality of life okay. with no intention of curing the cancer. Okay. Except in one surveyed believed it was going to cure the cancer. Yeah. Okay. When doctors were questioned about their failure to communicate the difference between curative care and palliative care, a common excuse was, it's hard to tell patients you can't cure their cancer. I yeah. can feel that. I can only imagine that would be a very difficult job to have to, to tell yeah. people that. And the, 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 when I got into this um, part of care, I started in home health uh, care and they sort of looked at me and said, hey, would you try and, would you mind coming up to hospice? I'm very an emotional person. I, I've, I'm, I'm, I've a big heart. I'm just, I'm like, that's too much. I don't know if I can uh, work in that environment. But I'll, I'll let me see because, uh, how I can. So I got into it and I think you're right. The, the bringing this conversation up is really hard. Mm-hmm. But if you know what it's all about it becomes easier because you it's and we'll get into a lot of this is about living you know we don't want to use word dying right because it's all about living um in all the subjects we're talking about but it's um but bringing out so part of my job i do go visit with uh clinics and things and letting them know look if you have these what you just read in that 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 chat that um, paragraph is it's hard to bring up subject. These are where we can help clinics come in and go. Look, if you you, you know set up an appointment, we can talk to them about it, and we aren't just going right. You're going to go on to hospice. Right. This is about choice. This is about what what it means Options. and helping bringing that barrier that always gets thrown up down and giving a bit of peace of mind. So if we can have the conversation correctly. It's a lot more easier. But you're right. I find a lot of doctors either go one way or the other. They just go, right, we're just sending a hospice referral. And I sit with those patients and they're just shocked. Or the doctor just doesn't bring it up at all. Yeah. You know, and then we're back to this situation where they're giving a bit of a false hope. They are doing treatment. But ideally, when we talk about it, what is better? Do we want to go through a hardship for three months? Right. Or do we want to maybe... You know, sadly, look at it, we might lose a month, but we're going to have a better quality of life. Mm-hmm. Well, the other one that Those I Those are think, difficult choices. Yeah. Very. Well, they're difficult choices, but it's great that there are people like Scott that are actually Can walk you telling you the truth yeah. and walking you through mm-hmm. versus giving you this false hope mm-hmm. that what we're doing is going to cure the cancer. It's not going to cure the cancer. Let's just be honest about it. It's not going to cure the cancer. Right. So you have to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Is it about quantity of life? Is it about quality of life? And you need the right person, like Scott, to give you that message. Right. And it could be, uh, when you get news like that, your brain's probably just shuts off. Oh, yeah. So then having you come step in and regather their thoughts, walk them through their options, and break it down, that's probably actually uh, huge to and, them. And that's very, and then when we look at that, it's very rewarding. Because yeah. I'm, from my where my emotions were, going in and seeing people... When I'm work, working with the families, I'm in, let's say, a hospital room, and they're all just scared. You can just see the stress. And yeah. then when I talk to them, and they, they, we bring them down, and we talk about things, and the amount of comments is like, oh, you, this has given me such a better feeling about things. This has got a lot more to think about. This is, this is a good sort of plan. This isn't 
what we thought, you know, these things, and then giving them a little bit of hope, not for the cure, but for hope for what's in front of them. Mm-hmm. See, you know? I now know why they want Scott to give that message. It's got to be easy to hear it from James Bond. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so the other point they brought in the book that was interesting is, again, it's about terminology. So there's the benefit of chemotherapy drugs are typically stated as using relative risk percentages instead of absolute risk. Okay, so those two words are critical. Relative risk versus absolute risk. And the example they give in here is, let's say a a patient has a 6% risk of a recurrence within five years. And if they take the chemotherapy, they have a 3% risk of recurrence within three years. So that's your absolute risk. Okay. Right? So if I told you you have a 6% chance that your cancer is going to come back in five years if you don't do chemotherapy, and you have a 3% chance if you do do chemotherapy. I'm going with chemotherapy. Because you've got 3% versus 6. Right. Okay. I mean, if I wasn't knowledgeable in everything that you've taught me along the way, if that was presented to me, then 1,000% without question or hesitation. You would do, I would even do. though it was 3% versus 6. And that could be also when we talked about age. You know, when you, I mean, this, for all the people that are my age and older, uh, I forgive me (laughs) for saying, but when we get to an older stage in our life, when we're that, like Jennifer, young and fighting, right? That 3% is huge. Yeah. But when we're we're in, let's say, our 80s, um, like my mother, and my mother and I have chatted, but that's where I was in England. that's most probably not as important anymore. I'll go with a six because yeah. of that stress on my body to do that treatment to have an extra three, you know, fifty percent more chance yeah. in that uh, that those figures is most probably not as important as someone who's in their forties or fifties. I think. Well, the, you, go ahead. Did you just age me to forty and fifty? No, no, I, no. I'm just teasing. <laughs> <laughs> she always ages me. She no, always ages you. <laughs> So See, he was wide-eyed. He was like, oh, no, what did I do? Well, the, the other way they're phrasing it is there's – because if you go from 6% to 3%, that's 50%. Yeah. So if you said you have a 50% chance of it not coming back, that sounds so much better. It, it does, yeah. There's a 50% chance that it won't come back. That sounds amazing. And then you might have that person in their later years actually take on it, where mm-hmm. it most probably is too stressful. But they'll take it because it sounds 50% yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. So absolute risk is 6% versus 3%. 3%. Which are both very small, if right. you really think about right. it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and in Britta's case, she's like, for what chemo is going to do to my body, that 3%, I'm not going to do it. Right. But if they said, there's a 50% chance that it's not going to happen, she's like, oh, 50%, that's a pretty good odds. That's huge odds. Mm-hmm. That's called relative risk. Okay. Yeah. Absolute risk, 6 to 3. Relative risk, 50%. And it's all on how they present the message, right? But if if you're like, wow, 3% difference for what team is going to do my body? Mm-hmm. So that this whole section is talking about communication breakdown. And I think it's really critical that we have people in this healthcare industry like Scott who can actually sit down and explain it to somebody versus yeah. using all these little words mm. that don't make sense. Like 
curative care, palliative care. Those are different phrases. Mm-hmm. But, but people need to honestly understand what they're facing. Right. And I have many conversations when after, like I said, where they're all sort of deer in the headlights. And a lot of it is the terminology that's used, as you just put. Um, and when we break it down, it's different because the terminologies, they, I'll go in there. So I have no clue what the doctor's been talking to us about, apart from I know the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And they've told us six months or whatever the diagnosis is and that we should be considering hospice. But nothing, you know, the, or they've come with a treatment, we're working out. These, they just are confused. They just don't know what's really happening. Right. All right. Well, there's, well, there's, a, there's a phrase, we're going to pick it up. There's a yes. phrase that Brenda has used, and Scott and I are talking about this. Cancer is the disease of love. It is, mm-hmm. yeah. So let's pick that up on the second half okay, of the show. Okay, perfect. Huge shout out to our sponsor for this first half, which is Odd Mo's Pizza. I just had some of their potato poppers Three this to be morning. exact. Yes. Oh my gosh, so amazing. <laughs> that box is not out it's of the question yet. It's <laughs> um, So make sure you guys stop by, get some uh, lunch or dinner, and call it for an easy Saturday. We'll be back after these messages. So stay tuned. 